0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Ooh, we don't just have a wild card weekend, folks. According to the NFL, we have a super wild card weekend. And if you put super in front of anything, for the most part, within reason, I'm in. There are a couple things, probably, and I'm sure my Menchies are going to fill up with all the things that I wouldn't want super, super super-sized or otherwise, but we're pumped about a bunch of NFL games this weekend. Uh, I'm pumped, at least. Fitz's sphincter is already fully engaged. I I don't want to speak on your behalf.
2: What what are we doing here? Like, we're calling one game Super Wild Card Weekend because there's only <laughs> one game this week. Uh, I have boy, no idea what these other go. things we're talking about. Like, here I mean, just go. the fact that I've been able to hold on to any slight amount of professionalism through the course of the last, I don't know, 12 hours to me is a delight. So it's only going to start spiraling downhill from here for Super Wild Card Weekend, which is really one game
1: yeah if we could just have you hold off on the booze until after the show is over i realize that's a big ask based on what we're starting to learn about you the last couple weeks uh and your habits but let's for our for our benefit of our listeners and me uh let's wait until 901 it's spain and Fitz, sarah spain jason Fitz. we're presented by progressive insurance guests gonna join us on the goodyear hotline we've got some greats coming on tonight bryant young 49ers great hall of famer andre reed and should be hall of famer bill barnwell uh also tyler Bischoff going to talk writers with us. So lots of good folks coming on. But let's start with the Saturday games fits because I know you're not going to wait any longer into the show to talk about your writers. Uh, And that is going to kick off the postseason, which is either great for you, you'll be riding high watching the rest of the games, or good, I guess, because you'll have the rest of the weekend to drown your sorrows before you have to pull yourself together and get back to work. Either way, I think it's probably a positive. Let's just go gut feelings right now. As you've been listening to experts talk about the matchup, what have you been thinking about your Raiders and the Bengals?
2: So, And you're right, by the way. Sitting through an entire Saturday, Sunday to watch the Raiders try and get into the playoffs was a nightmare. So getting it out of the way early, I'm all in for. It gives me the entire weekend to, to celebrate or to cry. I think the the one thing that hits me is that we've heard so much about the deficiencies of the Bengals' offensive line and how good the Raiders' defensive line is. And I agree with all of that. The problem is, in the first matchup, Joe Burrow only threw for 148 yards. Like, they didn't Mm -hmm. demolish the Raiders because of Joe Burrow. Now, it was a 16-13 game with about 11 minutes to go. It was a close football game that got away from the Raiders in the end. But... To me, the biggest question on this is going to be, can the Raiders take away either the run game or the pass game? Because that's the only way they can win. If Joe Mixon goes off and Joe Burrow goes off, then they're done.
1: Yeah, I think that should be a little worrisome to you, is what they were able to do without needing a great game from Burrow, who has very clearly gotten better as the season has gone on. I think the X factor here, and and I said this on Around the Horn, is a literal X factor. It's the second X in Max Crosby's name, Mm. and it's whether or not Max Crosby and the Raiders can get to Burrow. If he stays clean, I think it's over for your Raiders. Uh, There are some elements to the Raiders down the stretch that have been impressive. There's also been, I think, some sort of empty victories that feel good but don't tell you much about how they're going to fare against a good team like this. And I think Bart Scott really hit on that on Barton Hahn today, that there are both of these teams have some weaknesses that they have to figure out how to cover if they want to advance.
0: You want to say that your know, car is more experienced and he should, but no, he's not. This is his first time in the playoffs as well. Yeah. Now he's been in the NFL longer, but that doesn't mean that he has more experience. So who's going to play free? Who's going to play mistake free football? And who's going to step up? You know, this is an you know, intrig- intriguing matchup, right? You talk about the Bengals can't protect Joe Burrow. 50, 51 sacks, I believe, this year. You know, you got Crosby, who leads the league in most quarterback pressures, but also Yannick Ngakwe on the other side, so you have to be balancing your protections. But then again, the secondary for, for the Raiders are horrible. So you talk about T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. You talk about Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. You also talk about Jabbar Chase. So it's going to be like, who can protect their weaknesses better?
1: Yeah, and that's it to me. And I think, you know, I think this fits in with most of the games on the weekend. Fits, which is I would not be shocked if it went either way.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I'll say this: the Raiders blitz at the second lowest level rate in the NFL. What is curious is later in the year they've been doing it a little bit more because they trust that secondary a little bit more. What's going to be really interesting to me is can they actually confuse Joe Burrow? Can they disguise their looks? What can they do to act to make sure that he doesn't know if guys are coming or they aren't coming? And to the point that Bart made, can they get after him quickly? If they can, remember, Darren Waller went off in that first game, too. The Raiders should be able to score some points. But, man, this just feels like it's going to be a lot of points in this football game.
1: And the Raiders did shut me up a little bit with my take before that Chargers game that they really struggled against teams with great explosive quarterbacks and offenses. Obviously, Justin Herbert is just that. But can they do it again? Uh, they they didn't have a lot of evidence before that Chargers matchup that they could do it against some of the most explosive offenses. And we certainly know that Burrow and Jamar Chase have been that uh, down the stretch of the season. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We'll get back to more Raiders talk later. But let's talk about that other AFC matchup on Saturday, Bills-Pats. This is a great, fascinating matchup to talk about. I'm so pumped for this game for a number of reasons. One, because we've already seen them go head-to-head twice this season. For all the talk that people had before the first meeting of these teams, where they, they before the game, said, with this wind, it's impossible to tell anything about these teams. And then after the game, it was all about, oh, Belichick, the great master of mine. I'm like, wait a minute, I thought you said we couldn't tell anything. Especially when you had a Pats team that strolled into that game perfectly suited to win a game in those conditions. Then things flipped when you had a more regular weather pattern for game two. Now you've got the ultimate. You've got Bill Belichick seeing a team for the third time. The statistics on that are through the roof. And you got rookie quarterbacks in the postseason, 0-6 in the playoffs since 2010. Something's got to give, Fitz.
2: Yeah, the problem is here, for me, it's super easy to look at and say, the Bills are a better football team. And I believe, top to bottom, they are a better football team that doesn't change the fact that the Patriots are the best coached team maybe in all of sports, right? So you don't have to be as good top to bottom when the people on the sideline are better at their job than the people on everybody else's sideline. And just like, to be fair, just like I said, you know, the Raiders game was close going into the fourth quarter. Well, in the fourth quarter of the matchup that turned out to be a big win for Buffalo – it was a 20-14 to 14 game. I mean, there, there were times that that game at least felt tight. It was 26-21 with just a few minutes to go. So, you know, there was enough puckered up moments that I, is, I believe that Buffalo's a better football team, but I don't know how many times you have the opportunity to beat Bill Belichick and don't get it done before I have to tip my hat and say, hey, Belichick just uh-huh. knows how to get through it.
1: I agree. One one factor I think that might put at ease the fans of the Bills is that they are actually a better team this year than a lot of us are giving them credit for because of that win-loss record. And of course, in the end, that's all that matters, right? It's not going to matter if they end up losing to the Pats if we say that the metrics tell us that they played better. But But Bill Barnwell on ESPN Daily today, I think, really spelled out how a couple things going differently might have us feeling differently about this Bills team entering the postseason.
3: Yes, their record did drop last year 13 and three, this year 11 and six. But get to those more granular measures of performance. Look at things like drive by drive or play by play. They seem to suggest the Bills are a better team this year than the one we saw a year ago, especially, of course, on the defensive side of the football. In 2020, the Bills were outscoring their opponents by about eight points per game. Very good. No questions there. 2021, they're not scoring their opponents by more than 11 points per contest. They're better by DVOA. They're better by ESPN's Football Power Index. Pretty much any measure we have that's not wins and losses, the Bills are better this year than they were a year ago. And the difference, Pablo, that I alluded to in that tweet is that in 2020, the Bills were 5-1 and one in those one-score games. This year, 0-5. The last team to do that, like I mentioned, the only team to do that over the past 30 years or so are the greatest show on turf Rams who went on to win the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, it's he didn't say that they are the greatest show on turf. He didn't say that they will win the Super Bowl, but pretty good argument for feeling like some of the concerns we've had about the Bills may not be as rooted in their abilities as we think.
2: Yeah, and the analytics have to matter. Like sometimes the game result doesn't give you the context of what's actually happening. So you know that's why I think Bill does such a nice job every year of predicting which teams are going to rise or fall based on the outcomes the year before. The analytics will tell you how good this team is. I just wish that I could put the analytics, the talent, and the the coaching gap between the two organizations into a blender and and really have some way to figure it out. I'm I'm putting all my stock in Belichick, and I realize that might be stupid, but it feels like it's stupid not to after the years right. that we've gone through
1: right he should be part of the rules that we keep making for ourselves that's certainly a part of it it's spain and Fitz, sarah spain jason Fitz. we'll get back into that game as well also a funny funny quote from bill belichick on the weather expected to be about zero degrees in buffalo that's coming up as well espn Radio is presented by progressive insurance insurance for motorcycles boats and rvs for protection on the road and on the water see how much you can save in as little as three minutes at 1-800 progressive and progressive.com coming up more at the super wild card weekend and a lot of pressure on one head coach it's next
0: you're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast
1: it's Spain and Fitz happy Friday it is a big Friday because we got a whole weekend of playoff football including Fitz's beloved Raiders we'll get into that matchup with the Bengals a little bit more later in the show but let's talk a little NFC all that action on Sunday we got three games and then of course there's a Monday night game we're gonna save that to the Monday show Uh, Lots of focus on that incredible Cardinals-Rams game then. But let's get into the first matchup on on the the Sunday of this weekend. The Eagles at Tampa Bay. And a lot of folks kind of asking, like, why are we putting Tom Brady at 1 o'clock Eastern on a Sunday? And I think probably – fear of a blowout fits um but that might not have been aided by the timing because tom brady cooks at one eastern he is he has been rolling out of bed ready to go for those afternoon games in tampa uh so this this may have spelled disaster for the philly team that's just trying to stay in it uh what do you think about this matchup because a lot of people not really giving the eagles much of a shot
2: yeah and this is one of those moments that's going to get clipped off and used against me if i'm wrong, but. I think this game you know, starts at 1 Eastern, and by 2 Eastern, you're hitting the buffet somewhere, and you're just waiting to get wow. ready for the next one. I, I, yeah. I, to me, uh, as much as we keep talking about the game we'll get into in a minute, uh, Kansas City and Pittsburgh as being a dud, this this has the real potential – sorry, Kevin DeGondi, you know I love you – to be the dud of the weekend. I, yeah. I mean, the Eagles have won some football games over the back half of the year, getting themselves right against really bad teams. And I know that the Buccaneers are beat up, but I keep going back to – the fact that through all of that, you know how good Tom can be. We're talking about the Buccaneers like it hasn't gone well in a 13 and four season. I know they've had a couple of games that were tighter than they should be. But my God, I mean, even a banged up version of the Buccaneers to me is still much better than Jalen Hurts can make this team right now. Philly's getting in early. It's a year ahead of schedule. Awesome way that they've turned it around, but I don't think Philly's an actual good football team.
1: I think Philly's a decent football team, and I think it's just a bad matchup for the Bucks. I still think the Bucks are going to win, but I do think what we've seen from the Bucks over the course of this season is not what we saw last year. Last year they got off the bye week, and everything was coming together with all the new pieces, including the the the, the kind of belt uh, or, or I should say Arians and Brady relationship. Uh, this year, not so much. They started off with this incredible run-stopping defense. Their D-line was great. And over the course of the year, as injuries affected them, especially without Barrett and David, they are now not the run-stopping team we thought. And that is not what they want against an Eagles team that is going to try to beat you with the run. Tampa Bay has allowed opponents to run for over 100 yards in five of their last seven games. This is a great O-line. They're going to protect Tom Brady. They've still got Evans and Gronk to throw to. If either of those guys get hurt, if Fournette and Evans, by the way, also not 100%, Um, aren't effective. They just don't have the weapons that they used to. And and Harry Douglas is going to tell you on Barton Hahn today that they still have enough weapons to survive. And I think that's true, but I think that ignores the fact that they still have to get stops. And I'm going to put my money on Brady. I just don't think it's going to be as much of a blowout as we might have imagined. Um, we'll get to our picks, though, on that game and the rest of the games a little bit later. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, represented by Progressive Insurance. Let's keep it moving because we got three games to get to. This Cowboys-Niners game I think might be the one most people are most excited for because even though the Cowboys, in theory, are supposed to be the favorite, they're 6-5 and five against teams outside of their own division. They are a team that can have very high highs, and then that inconsistency comes back and hits you. And Nate Newton, three-time Super Bowl champ, was on KJ and Max this morning talking about how we know Dax got paid. We know there's a bunch of talent on that squad. So if they can't get through this first round, Mike McCarthy will have a lot of fingers pointed at him.
4: It's all on. It's all on on the coach, man, to get these guys right, man, and to get Dak going, man. And then it falls on Dak. You know, the only way head coaches and quarterbacks are judged is by these playoff wins man and that has to win he has his own certain amount of pressure but coach McCarthy that's why we brought him in now he had the, the offensive expertise and a, and the experience of a super bowl behind him so he should, the pressure for me looking at him that's where it's at on coach McCarthy
1: You see it that way?
2: I don't disagree with him. I mean first and foremost you got to look at McCarthy and say hey you were supposed to everything was supposed to be Jason Garrett's fault and then you turn around and say we're going to we're going to run it back we're going to continue to accumulate talent. They came into the year saying, "If all the Cowboys could do is get a mediocre defense, think of what they could accomplish." Mm-hmm. And now they have a defense that's better than mediocre, and the offense has taken a step back, which under McCarthy is inexcusable. Coaches are always going to be judged by what their strengths are perceived to be. So, you know, I, I look at the the deficiencies for the Cowboys, and like I told you the other day, I, I believe so much in the uh, the acu- ac- mm, the assembly of talent. Thank Fine. you. Uh, uh, the the t- the talent. They got lots of talent there. <laughs> Too much talent for a coach to blow it. And for them not to get this win would be nothing short of the coach blowing it to me.
1: I think that's a big part of it. I also think, again, this is not a good matchup for the Cowboys based on uh, what they're good at and what they're not good at. Um, you look at the Cowboys secondary. They're giving up over six yards. After the catch per reception this season, which is second most in the league, Debo Samuel first in the league in gaining those yards, 10 yards after catch per reception this season. You look at the Niners run game and how they attack a defense that can be great when it comes to takeaways, but also has suffered inconsistency issues. Um, The Cowboys are great, again, um, at those big sexy statistics and those big highlight plays, but... If the Niners get established in the run early and they can take a lead, they can eat up the clock, they can own the time, and they make it really hard for the Cowboys to come back. Now, the only thing I will say is that the Cowboys' pass attack is obviously, um, you know, San Francisco's allowed 51 pass plays of 20 yards or more during the regular season. They can get eat up as well, especially if Dak is on fire. But if they get an early lead, the Niners, that is, and they don't leave it up to Jimmy to force it and make turnovers – We know how successful the Niners are if they take care of the ball. 8-1 and with one turnover or fewer this season. And we know how successful the Cowboys are, not just the Cowboys as a team, but their defensive players who have that bet with Dak when they have a ton of takeovers. So, to me, the beginning of this game is going to be so key.
2: Yeah, and by the way, offensive explosion on it. I don't know that I trust, in my mind, because – Everything you said about the Cowboys, particularly with their penchant for giving up big plays, feels like we're just going to have a ton of points in this. The question is, which quarterback's going to blink and make a mistake? Mm-hmm. And as much as we don't believe in Dak, and some I don't say we, but some people don't believe in Dak, I believe less in Jimmy G than I do in Dak, I think, if they have to win the game. So I still feel confident right now in the Cowboys. That could change by the next hour, though. There's <laughs> plenty of time left.
1: Harry Douglas, ESPN Football, and else was on Greeny talking about the pressure they need to put on Jimmy.
2: When you look at their offense, you look at a guy like a Kyle Yuzchek, who I view as a star player because he can do a lot of multi- a multiplicity of different things. Then you look at Debo Samuel, a same kind of guy. Brandon Ayuk, another one of those guys. Then you look at a Trey Lance who's sitting in the holster on the bench. There's no telling what Kyle Shanahan has drawn up for him to be able to get in the football game uh, with misdirection and using the aggression of that Cowboys defense against them. So if they're not able to get constant pressure on Jimmy G, it could be a long day
1: one of the interesting things Mina talked about today on debatable was that Jimmy G's use of the middle of the field is so effective and most of the Cowboys takeaways and pressure come on the outside. So again, some of it's just matchup. That's fascinating here where even if you think the Cowboys are a better team at their peak, this hot 49ers team might be just the wrong thing for them to face in this first round.
2: Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of that. And, uh, I, I, but the the other side of all of that is at some point talent has to matter, right. and I think right. it's going to be really interesting to see where, where Parsons is used for the Cowboys, what their plan is. Are they going to put him on the edge and let him run, or are they going to push him back to linebacker to let him cover? That's going to be one of the interesting things that San Francisco's got a plot for that I think could help in that turnover battle.
1: We didn't leave much time for the last game on Saturday, that that game between uh, Pittsburgh and Kansas Whoa. City. We'll Whoa. get to our picks on that later. I think you both we both agree we're leaning – Chiefs there, but we don't want to spoil it. We'll get to that later. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nations presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is over and fans are celebrating their victory. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve more Niners next.
4: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz getting you ready for Super Wild Card, not normal Wild Card Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend. And obviously, as we were just talking about, one of the games that has people the most hyped, that everybody is the most anxious to see, involves not just two of the better teams in the NFL this year, but two of the bigger brands in the entire league. So we're going to get into some 49ers Cowboys. But to do that, we'll head over to the Goodyear Hotline, where we are joined by 49ers great Bryant Young. Brian, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, and congrats on an amazing playing career for anyone that doesn't know your Hall of Fame uh, semifinalist this year. Congratulations on that honor. When you look at the 49ers in this matchup against the Cowboys, what do you think the key to the game to you is?
5: Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on. Um, certainly has uh, been a has been a journey. Uh, but this this game is it's important, and it's going to come down to uh, – Stadium. I think they'll get the win. And um both you know,
1: great might have okay. to get a new connection uh, to, to Bryant. Make sure we get all the all the great stuff he's saying. So let's try to reconnect with Bryant um and uh and and we'll get right back to him. Fitz, you mentioned the uh Hall of Fame. I read this really cool thing that a bunch of the offensive linemen he played against got together unbeknownst to him and did a Zoom roundtable video session talking about why they thought he was so deserving of the honor. They sent it to the Hall of Fame Selection Committee. Um, They, they, you know, didn't tell him about it until just an hour before the get-together on his behalf. But that's respect right there.
2: Yeah, to me, that's such an incredible... Moment to think that the people that you battled against on the field constantly would then speak to the your behalf for why you were one of the greats, especially the great speaking out about your greatness. Like those are the moments. I I have more faith than a lot of people do in the Hall of Fame voting process. Uh, I've been lucky enough to meet some of those voters, and I know how seriously they take it. Uh, I, I I feel like those that moment has to have emphasis to you as a voter if you're sitting back and saying, well this person's a hall of famer. I respect this person's career. And he's telling me that this player was unblockable. Like that's the ultimate compliment.
1: I completely agree. Um, And I'm curious to ask him about what it's like to watch a team like the Niners that had such expectations for them at the beginning of the season Um, didn't look so great. And you and I actually went back and forth a lot on uh, this division in particular and who, who should get the nod. And I think uh, we talked a lot about Shanahan and how much stress and pressure was on him. If this team didn't perform And over the end of the season, really such a turnaround for them, which I think as a former player and as a fan, um, it hits a little different when you've set yourself up for disappointment and then they come through and potentially make a run.
2: Yeah, well, and, and I'll go back to coverage of the draft. When they drafted Trey Lance, I kept saying they were playing check chess while the rest of us were playing checkers because I believe their roster is good enough to win a Super Bowl, and then they add a young quarterback to that roster that they don't need to play right away. It gives them the opportunity. Now, this year it turned out they were they did have to rely on Trey Young or yeah. Trey Lance a couple of times, but that helps in the process as they try and figure out who they are. We've got Bryant Young back. 49ers, great. So, Bryant, you were saying the key to this game, and I think you were saying defensive line. Continue your thought, my friend.
5: Yes, I'm sorry about that. Bad signal there. But just how how, how well does each group, both groups have really good points, good depth. They put pressure on the quarterbacks, get the sacks, and getting them off the spot um, can stop the run. I, I think is going to come down who plays the best up front from a defensive line standpoint, and uh, certainly it's going to be an exciting game to watch. Um, but but also just in terms of uh, who's going to play uh, better overall in the trenches. And uh, but the Niners defensive line has great depth, good play. Bolts is doing a great job on this comeback uh, tour as he's going down the stretch. And I tell you what, this Cowboys defensive line boy they can get after the quarterback as well. So we'll see what happens.
1: They sure can. Uh, you know, we were just talking about how midway through the season there was some heat on Shanahan's chair and some concerns about this team underperforming. What do you think the big difference is in the way you saw this team finish versus the struggles at the beginning?
5: Yeah, just you know, they found a way to to just stay together. You know, one guy's down, the next guy steps up and uh, can sit play. You hadn't always seen that. Um, couldn't quite put your finger on it. But I think, you know, as they come down the stretch, uh, realizing the, what they have out in front of them in terms of the opportunity, um, they're, they're playing their best. It was good to see Jimmy G it out and get a really tough win on the road. Uh, it was a must win. And how they played together. And uh, just and some of the young guys, the way they've been stepping up toward the end of the season as well, um, it's been great to see. So I think the biggest thing, um, from what I can tell from the beginning of the year, it's just in terms of how how well the younger guys are making a big contribution mm-hmm. uh, toward the end of this
2: this stretch, talking to 49ers, great Bryant Young on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You mentioned Jimmy G, and you know everything gets overanalyzed that he does right now. But it feels like it had to be a pressure cooker of a year, knowing that you've got a young guy that's been drafted as your eventual replacement. How would you assess his performance through all of that in this season?
5: Um, I thought. I think how he's composed himself, um, knowing that you know a guy's been drafted he's very talented, um, he's going to have a bright future, uh, but just keeping his composure, doing what's asked of him, uh, trying to stay healthy and, and give his, his team the best chance to win. I mean, that's not an easy position to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a healthy Jimmy is a winning Jimmy. And so, But you got a young guy who's ready to play and I think having the opportunity to kind of sit back a little bit and not really take on all that pressure in your first year and grow from this. I think it's going to be a an opportunity for for him to even, you know, play different as when he does get a shot the next year and he, if he is the guy next year. But you know, Jimmy's handled himself with composure in a very
1: professional manner. Spain and Fitz here, Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, You know, it's clear, Bryant, that uh, the sexiest stat for a defense is takeaways. The Cowboys have 12 games this season with two or more takeaways. But there are also some flaws in that defense, sometimes even with Trevon Diggs, who's been great at those takeaways, letting things up because he takes risks with his play. How do you see this Cowboys defense in terms of the way the Niners can take advantage or or maybe uh, at least wear them down?
5: (laughs) Let's, let's hope that uh, Diggs uh, takes a risk and makes <laughs> a, a mistake that, that that will benefit the 49ers. Um, yeah, I think at this juncture in the season, you have to understand what's what's really at stake, and I'm sure all the coaches are going to make sure that guys just do their part. And if you just do your part, don't take those risks that could potentially hurt your team, you'd be in great shape. And um, so it would be fun to watch it's actually been fun to watch some of those young guys in the big seasons they're having. Now you got Micah who's having a phenomenal uh-huh. year and this young guy who's picking up all these balls. And so, um it's gonna be a fun game to watch just in terms of the big playmaking ability he has and then the front with this uh, the person that this front puts on on the offensive line of quarterback.
2: Give me the mindset of a defensive lineman when you've got a secondary behind you that one play will pick it off and the next play will give up a huge chunk of yardage. Like what is that experience like as a defensive, as a whole knowing that you can be so hit or miss?
5: Yeah, I think, I think you, you have to learn from the mistakes as, you know, you're going to make a lot of kind of, ton of plays, but you have to be really careful that you don't put yourself um, in a position uh, to hurt your team. And so I think just as you grow and mature in this league, just being more consistent in how you do things. But just, you know, I think I think times when we take those big risks, you have to understand um, the damage that it can cause. And, you know, for some of those, those young men, when they do get, get those opportunities, just do your job. Be accountable. Trust the defense. Trust the other guy next to you. And if they do, I think they'll be great.
1: It's Spain and Fitz here, Spain. Jason Fitz talking to 49ers, great Bryant Young, Hall of Famer, semifinalist, And we were just talking about the greats that you played against who got together to have a Zoom and talk about your greatness. That must have felt incredible. That means you're clearly in touch with some of the, uh, the old guys you played with and against. Have you been on a thread with former Niners? Are you talking about what a big deal it would be, not just to win this weekend, but to do it against the Cowboys?
5: You know what? Um, it's an honor... And when you talk about the career you have and the people that you get a chance to play against, I just got a lot of respect and regard for all the people that I played against and, and, to garner and earn the garner earning respect from them and, and for them to say some of the things that they've said has been very, very humbling. Uh it, it is a big game. Uh, all that have been part of this this big rivalry over the years, they're excited about it. Uh you can hear all the 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 fun and the the different comments that are being thrown around about this particular game. Uh, there's a lot of history here. You know, we go back to, you know, my first time playing the Cowboys in 94 and, uh, just kind of understood what was at stake. And you knew what this game was all about. And so, and so here we are at this juncture in the season and you get a chance to kind of relive some of those opportunities. And, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a great game to watch. Uh, I know both, both teams to be prepared very, very well. And, um, We'll see
2: what happens. Bryant, we appreciate your time, your stories, your insight. Congratulations on being a semifinalist. Best of luck through the Hall of Fame committee, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks,
1: Brian.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having
2: me. 49 is great, Bryant. I'm um, brought to you by Goodyear. Make the plays that move you forward. Goodyear more driven. All right, coming up, we'll head to Vegas. What's the mood there? Is the Raiders prepare for the playoffs? We'll find out from somebody not named me next. Spain and Fits on ESPN Radio.
4: Spain and Fits, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM channel eighty. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Look, I'm not sure I'm ready, Sarah. I'm just not sure that I'm going to be mm-hmm. ready. I'm not sure that any like just the thought of alcohol right now still sounds disgusting. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure my liver's ready. I don't know. The, I don't the know.
1: Alcohol do. or the the uh, the bar tab. Which which thing is turning your stomach right now? How much bit you the spent both. on you know it how cheap or what you drank?
2: It's going to be both. All right, let's get some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. In order to do that, we are joined by Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Las Vegas. Tyler, my level of confidence in having a glorious Saturday evening should be...
0: yeah, About 50%. They got a shot. Although, you're going to a bar to watch this? You're going to watch this with other people to see you?
2: No, that's what happened last week for the the bar tab scene Mm -hmm. around the world. That uh, last week... I'm not sure I can be around other people, Tyler. Like, I don't think that I need to be Okay, that's That's what I was
0: hoping for. Like, that's what, I talk to you every week. I know how you handle these types of things. You don't need to be in the public for this. You
1: can't be trusted, that's for sure. Um, so, 50%. To me, a lot of this comes down to whether or not the Bengals can protect Joe Burrow. If he stays clean, I feel like they've got a really good shot at winning. Uh, so, it comes down to Max Crosby and the Raiders getting pressure. How do you see that matchup, that Crosby versus the Bengals' offensive line.
0: Yeah, that's their path to victory as well, because the, the Bengals have a significant advantage when it comes to Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd running down the field against the Raiders' secondary, which, granted, is better than it has been in the past, but it's still not really a great secondary. So everything the defensive line can do to get to Joe Burrow and make him throw the ball you know, within two seconds or something like that is going to be key. But I think the real answer for the Raiders is they're going to have to force turnovers because of the defensive line. Like they've, they've won four in a row. They've gotten the playoffs because of it, but their turnover differential on the year is minus nine. And until that Chargers game, they had not forced a turnover despite winning a few games in a row there in December. Like it's kind of remarkable that the Raiders continued to win close games despite losing the turnover battle. So to me, it's not just about Crosby and the rest of that defensive line getting home. They've got to take the ball away from Joe Burrow or at least force him to throw it earlier so that somebody can pick it off or get a hand on it. So it goes up in the air and somebody gets an interception because the Raiders have have miraculously won these four games in a row and it hasn't been because of turnovers. I think they'll need that and they'll need the defensive line to be the reason they forced a couple of turnovers from the Bengals.
2: But Tyler, if there was a stat, we're talking to Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Las Vegas. If there was a stat out there for, oh, my God, I can't believe he didn't get that ball when it comes to interceptions. Casey Hayward would be by far the league leader in that. Like, who is it that can actually go out there and get a turnover on this defense? I'm not sure we, th- there's proof of concept there.
0: Yeah, I mean, eventually you'll catch one if you're Casey Hayward, right? Like, eventually <laughs> enough hits you in the hand, you'll catch one eventually. I, I, I don't think they have a single player with multiple interceptions this year. I think there's like six guys that have all picked off exactly one pass this season so you're right like Crosby might get home enough and make Joe Burrow throw it early and and there might be enough interceptable passes and they just simply don't catch him because they don't know so all right here's the answer Max Crosby has to physically take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands before he can even throw it down the field they need two of those and then that 50 percent will be about 95 percent
1: I've got a number for you and I want you to explain it to me okay First, I want to tell you the people in the league, I guess the teams in the league that fared worse than the Raiders when it comes to this statistic, the Jags, the Jets, the Texans, the Giants, the Falcons, the Lions, the Panthers, Washington, Chicago. Are we seeing a theme here yet? Okay. Uh, Yes.
0: Bad teams.
1: Yeah. Okay. Minus 65 point differential. Behind the Steelers, Dolphins, Browns, Ravens, bunch of teams that didn't make the postseason. How do you explain the Raiders minus 65 point differential?
0: Yeah, they're not as good as a 10 win team should be. I mean, by point differential, they're they're more like a seven win team. And and like if you go into DVOA or Pro Football Focus, the Raiders are right around 20th, 21st, like they're there with teams like Washington and Chicago, like the Raiders and the Steelers should probably not be in the playoffs. Neither one of those teams is, is actually a good team, but they've won enough close games to be here. And I, I think, I mean, I think the point differential is a good example of sort of what the Raiders have been this year. They're seven and two on one possession games, which is kind of bizarre. Like normally you're supposed to win about half of the one possession games you play. They're seven and two in those games. And I think some of that is there's a lot of, you know, close game luck that's involved in there. Daniel Carlson is the greatest kicker in the last 30 seconds that we've seen. Like, he doesn't miss when you're in the, at the end of the game. But you also give some credit to Derek Carr because he'll have games, and we saw it against the Colts. We saw it against the Broncos, where he's not exactly good for three quarters, but then he gets a drive in the fourth quarter of a tie game, and Derek Carr's awesome. Derek Carr's one of the five best quarterbacks in football mm-hmm. all of a sudden. So I think a lot of it's luck, but a lot of it is. Derek Carr's been really good in those scenarios. When the game is close, as long as the game is close, late, Derek Carr's been very good. Even if he's been bad leading up to that, he's been excellent at the very end of the game. So he deserves a lot of credit for that, even though most people would tell you, yeah, that'll eventually regress back and you'll stop winning a bunch of close games.
2: Okay, so stick with Derek Carr for a second because it feels like the guy could fart and half the fan base would say he should be sent away because (laughs) of it. So if Derek Carr goes out and wins a playoff game, does it impact his legacy in any way to you?
0: Depends on what happens the next week like if the Raiders win this game and then go to Tennessee and, and like, if they lose the playoff game by 30 points and Derek Carr has three turnovers, I, I think we're having the same exact conversations we've been having for seven or eight years about Derek Carr that oh he's, he's going to cost you. Eventually he's going to fumble the game away. You can't win with Derek Carr. So it's, it helps a lot that he made it right. And you can't point that Derek Carr has never started a playoff game before anymore. I guess he still can until Saturday, but it's, it helps. But I still think, especially the Raiders fan base, Specifically, if they beat the Bengals and then lose to the Titans or whoever they would play in round two by, like, four touchdowns and cars awful, I, I think we're having the same exact conversations we've been having for seven or eight years.
1: It's Spain and Fitz Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Tyler Bischoff, ESPN Las Vegas is with us. About a minute and a half or so, Tyler. I'm curious, you know, we talked about how getting to Burrow will be a, a big part of the decision-making here. Um, we also know that the last time these teams played – Moreau didn't have to play great. The Bengals had a ton of penalties, couldn't convert on third down. They didn't really play their best, or the Raiders, I should say. They didn't really play their best. So do you you need an otherworldly performance from the Raiders to win this where everything goes right, or did you see that last matchup and the mistakes they made as something they could clean up and get a win?
0: Well, pretty much the one game this season where Carr was bad in the fourth quarter was Cincinnati. And like that, the Raiders scored a touchdown to get within three in the fourth quarter against the Bengals. And then the Bengals had a long touchdown drive. Carr threw an interception to set up the Bengals for a 27-yard touchdown, and then Carr fumbled the ball, and the Bengals kicked the field goal that sealed the game up. Like, that was a fairly close game after three quarters, and then Derek Carr had turnovers. And that's, again, with Max Crosby forcing the turnovers on one side, you obviously can't have Carr giving them away, which has uh, been a concern with him at times throughout his career. So I think it, it's not a 32-13 spread. Like, I don't think that's the difference between the two teams. I think it's a lot closer than that.
2: Well, either way, I think that you know I'm either going to be celebrating and drunk, or I'm going to be sad and drunk. <laughs> Tyler, either way, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Yes, thanks for having me, yes. guys. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. some straight talk. Straight talk. Wireless, no contract, no compromise. I, I, I realize it. I realize my deficiencies as a human being are all going to come out tomorrow, starting at about noon, and then we'll just see where things go from there. Because I got to have a base; otherwise, the anxiety is going to get to me. So, okay. a lot of carbs. Here a we lot go. of carbs. Coming up, uh, speaking of of playoffs, a Hall of Famer is going to join in to join us to weigh in on one of the weekend's most intriguing matchups. And I'm going to learn how to read. That's all next. Spain and Fitz.
0: <laughs> You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
2: Let's head over to the Goodyear Hotline when you need expertise on all things Buffalo Bills. I'm not sure there's anybody you can talk to that's better than Hall of Famer Andre Reed joining us now. And Andre, appreciate your time. Obviously when you hear bills patriots in the playoffs how do how do you sort of quantify a, a rivalry that's now a playoff matchup does it make it even bigger that the fact that these two teams already know each other so well
4: yeah well there's there's you know this weekend you got um, the rams playing the cardinals again and the steelers are playing the chiefs again so they they they've seen each other one time already but it seemed like when I, when i was in the league you know the patriots obviously weren't the Patriots of who they are now or when Tom Brady was there. So we we just saw the Patriots just twice a year. But anytime you have a a Bill Belichick coached team, you you just never know. And it should be a barn burner, hopefully. But they're going to need something burning because it's going to be pretty cold. (laughs) I know that.
1: Yeah, some of the statistics on weather, you know, it really bears out how much it affects teams and passing teams, especially when it's extremely Mm -hmm. windy. And we saw that first game between the Bills and the Pats really disrupted by that. But cold weather, as much as there's a small sample size that doesn't bode well for Josh Allen, doesn't really seem to bear out statistically as having as much of an effect. As a player, do you think we talk about it more in the media than players actually think about it in the game?
4: I think you're right, because... It doesn't matter if it's if it's hailing fire, you know <laughs> the media is going to talk about that, and the players got to go out and play it no matter what it is. It's not like they'll look outside and go, well, you know I'm not going to. It doesn't look too good out there. I'm not going to. I'm not going to show up today. I mean they they realize um, what the situation is and how they're going to deal with it. Um, obviously the run games become more evident the, you know, despite of the weather. Josh Allen's had a great year throwing the ball. He has a great great year on his feet. So they got an extra running back uh, with the guys that they have. Singletary's been playing well the last couple games. I think he had 100 yards last week and a week before. So that's the positive of it. This game, because of the weather, will be you know pretty much uh, decided in the in the trenches there, in offensive and defensive lines. So running game is going to be very important if it's windy and all that kind of stuff. But I played in a few of those kind of games, and you know sometimes it's not what you think it's going to turn out to be, but Um, The running games do uh, become a factor in that weather and especially in the playoffs, you know, we'll wait to see what happens.
2: We're talking to Andre Reed Hall of Famer for the Buffalo Bills as we try and break down this weekend's matchup, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And so one of the things that I I feel like I've constantly praised the Bills on is not just listening to any outside noise. A lot of people seem to want to say a lot of things about Josh Allen and he developed and they, they let him do that. But now two straight years with the division championship, what's the pressure like? Is it growing in Buffalo for this team to do more than just win the division and to advance farther in the playoffs? I think media puts pressure on you and, you know, sometimes players put
4: pressure on themselves, but you know, this process started five years ago when they hired Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean as a GM to get the right players in the right places for them to compete. And it was all about beating the Patriots, you know, when Tom Brady was there. So they have developed over the last four or five years. I mean, they made the playoffs the last two years, but it's what they wanted to do, and they got a quarterback. They got the receivers now, and Stephon Diggs obviously was a big acquisition for them a couple of two years ago coming from Minnesota uh, for the offense. They did a lot on defense during the offseason uh, in the draft. They're picking up Greg Rousseau, who's been a major factor this year, and the guys that they had on the front four are playing better than they have in the past two years. Ed Oliver's playing better. Harrison Phillips is playing better, so that, that's just good – you know, for their secondary. And, you know, Micah Hyde and and Jordan Poirier are, to, to me, top five tandem in a league. So that's really what it's about.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to the great Andre Reed, longtime time. Bill's player, uh, many, many, many time pro bowler um, and a Hall of Famer inducted in 2014. Uh, hyped, I'm sure, ahead of this weekend's games, but it's always a little stressful playing Bill Belichick, and it's always even more stressful when it's the yeah. third time meeting him. There's some great statistics on the Bill side, including rookie quarterbacks in the postseason since 2010 are 0-6, so they got to try to get to that boy, Mac Jones. But on the other side, you've got one of the greatest strategists in all of NFL history, is that something that, mm-hmm. you, that you talk about as a team? Is that something the Bills are trying to just not even mention and think about is that over on the other side they've got Bill Belichick that they're facing?
4: Well, every, it's not like the Bills know it's Bill Belichick. It's the whole league, and they know, you know how Bill Belichick works, how Belichick works. I remember the first time I met him playing against him, he was the defensive coordinator, I think, at Cleveland when they played in old Cleveland Stadium. And then he became a head coach. So I don't think the players really talk about it that, lot, that much. I mean, they got to go out and play, regardless if Belichick's on the other side or not. Are they aware of the Belichick factor? Yeah, of course they're probably aware of it. But it's mano y mano. i got to beat him. I can't let him beat me. You know, sometimes you get out-coached. A lot of times Bill Belichick will out-coach you, and sometimes coaches do that. They out- it doesn't matter who's playing. Do you, have, uh, or do you have a great strategist, which Bill Belichick is, to go out there and, and, and win? And they've done that, proven that over years and years and years. You can't, I mean, Tom Brady, there's your factor right there when it comes to that. But they have done it to teams throughout the last 10, 15 years. So playing them for a third time, I, I think they know what they're going to do. The weather, again, will be a factor. That first game, uh, that Monday night game, they only threw the ball three times, and they kind of ran all over us. So they're going to rely on the run again, and and make Mac Jones try to beat you, Uh, and especially in weather, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to beat you in weather than that running game.
2: We're talking to Andre Reed on Spain and Fitz, and Andre. Look, one of my least favorite memories as my fandom growing up because I'm a Raiders fan was a particular game against Buffalo that went 51 to 3. We don't need to talk about that, but let's talk about some of your favorite memories. Is there like a playoff game mm-hmm. that stands out to you, cold weather awful like where you were out there and it's it's what you think of when you think of playoff football in your career? You know, it's funny you mentioned that game. Um that was our first uh, you know, first
4: Super Bowl and really we were you know, hitting on all cylinders at that time. You know, most people want they if if I especially Raider fans. If I want to talk about that game, they're like, Nah, we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about, you know, the Super Bowls we won and all this stuff. But they don't want to talk about what the Bills did. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, there's been some games uh, that I played in that were cold games, but it, you know, the one that stands out the most obviously is the comeback game and in 1993 or 92 against the the Oilers because nobody expected us to win that game down, you know, 32 points and coming back and winning that game. So that game sticks out for me as probably number one. There's a lot of other ones, but I think that that game defined what that franchise was about in the 90s uh, when I played there and, and some great players, Hall of Fame players and coaches and GM and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, and, and we're getting a lot more love, about that now years and years removed from it than we did, you know, probably 10 years ago or five years ago. So, you know, we're proud of that regardless if we won or not, you know, there's not too many teams that were assembled, like that in the nineties. Yeah. And, you know, I was, uh, I was pretty fortunate to be on that kind of team. And another thing, when, when the Raiders came up there for that beatdown, we knew they lost the minute they came on the field. <laughs> just wanted you to
2: know that they're Raider fans. Yeah, yeah, Thank Fitz. So just much. wanted you to yeah. know you lost just,
1: before you even started.
2: And Sarah wonders yeah. why I'm not going to Cincinnati. That's right. Uh, That's right.
1: They probably lost
2: on a plane landing. Oh, it felt like it. Uh, these, are, these are my painful <laughs> memories. Do want to ask you? You're doing something really cool with Let's Hang Live, where you've got a bunch of Cowboys greats uh, coming together for the 49ers Cowboys game. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's it's
4: a great way to, for for fans to interact with. With NFL players, I mean, we've had some some actors and different types of celebrities on this. It's an excellent way just to hang out, talk football. People ask questions about different stuff. They haven't had too many crazy ones yet, but they they just want to know you as you. And it's a way that for fans to know you, not only just a football player, but the person you are. And this week we have, uh, yeah, we have the Cowboys and the 49ers, so it's really the only time I'm going to be in a on the chat with a bunch of cowboy guys, I really don't. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got headliner Deion Sanders, you know the head coach of the uh, of Jackson State, and uh, what a fabulous job he's done there, Jackson State uh, in the past year. Um, we got a lot of cowboys: Jason Winton, Chris Canny, T.O. is probably going to be on there. So we got the whole cowboy crew coming on uh, on Sunday, and we'd love for all the fans to go on that website and get on and have some fun. There's going to be some prize giveaways and a way to hang out with your favorite player from the Cowboys and me. Of course,
2: you guys can check it out. Let's hang live. That'll be for the Cowboys uh, for the Cowboys game there. Thanks so much for the time. Andre really appreciate your help, uh, your, your insight. Have a great, uh, great time over the weekend. You got it. I got it. Stay warm guys, wherever you're at.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast,
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel eighty. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear hotline. And every minute we get into this show is a minute uh, closer to being as unprofessional as possible. My beloved Raiders kicking off, obviously, Saturday afternoon. As the world knows, I think everybody can understand, Sarah, that it was the decision to put the game of the weekend, the absolute must to watch, the can't miss, the stellar, oh, my God, I have to see a game. At the start of the playoff action, because oh, the mm-hmm. world can't handle the anticipation. Uh, That's of, how it of,
1: works with everything. You put the best thing first at the meal. You put the entree first. Uh, it it's the same in 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 you know uh, adult films. There's no fluffers. Everything just comes right off. Oh wait a minute. Hold on. It's the exact opposite. Usually the first thing is the worst. Oh,
2: oh okay. You know what? You know even even now you can't steal my joy. Like Andre Reed <laughs> couldn't steal my joy. Fifty one to tried. Three, he and just look, like somebody asked me yesterday, what are your greatest Raiders playoff memories? Simple question. My three answers: uh, a superstar disappearing for the day of the Super Bowl, the Tuck Rule, and losing 51 <laughs> to 3 to Buffalo. But when I tell you 51 is a hurtful number, maybe just maybe this year 51 can be a healing number as Damian Woody, uh, you know, former, by, by the way, played in the tuck roll game on the wrong side, was on Barton Hahn. And he said this about the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's been sacked 51
4: times this year.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. And you look at, look at who they're playing. Nasty. They got Gagway, Yannick and and Galway on one side, mm-hmm. Max Crosby on the other side. Max oh. Crosby actually leads the league in pressures from defensive linemen. That's a weak spot for the, for the Cincinnati Bengals is protecting Joe Burrow. So as much as we talk about the Bengals and their skill position, which I think they have the best core group of skill position players in the league, it doesn't do any good if you can't protect your quarterback. Wow. And so that's why I say it. I think Joe Burrow has the biggest bust potential because I don't know if they'll be able to protect him.
2: And, Sarah, mm-hmm. I want to believe that, but the the problem is – That's been the case all year for the Bengals, and they're still playing at home in the playoffs because Mm -hmm. they had a really stinking good year. Like, yes, you're going to murder Joe Burrow, but he's going to make you pay for it at some point. And they went all in stylistically when they built their team on saying, we don't care about anything up front. We're just going to be able to sling the ball. And it got them to 10 and 7.
1: Yeah, that. Obviously, connection with Jamar Chase has been a huge part of that, and that's what you have to disrupt. I think also, you know, we talk about the records of rookie quarterbacks in the postseason. Obviously, Joe Burrow, not a rookie, but missed part of his rookie season. This is his first time in the postseason. As much as Carr is more veteran, this will also be his first time in the postseason. But can you take advantage of potentially either uh, nerves or just trying to get out ahead of of him early with a lot of deceptions, make him not know what the defense is is setting up on, make him um, feel uncomfortable. And and if you keep him uh, under pressure a lot early on, maybe blitzing even more than you intend to for the rest of the game, can that sort of set the tone for it? Uh, um, I think that's a, a, a good strategy when you're looking at a guy that you don't know yet how he fares in a postseason game.
2: Yeah, if I'm the Bengals, though, I come out crazy aggressive and try and make the Raiders make a mistake because, my God, that crowd is going to be fire. Uh-huh. And if they can get that And because crowd they into- made a
1: lot of mistakes in the last meeting, as I just uh, mentioned uh, in, in our last conversation about the Raiders, just how much they took themselves out of that game on their own with the penalties and stuff.
2: Yeah, so if if the Bengals come out on fire, man, that it's going to be important for the Raiders to establish the run. That's not the only key game this weekend spain and Fitz on espn radio sarah spain jason Fitz. i think a lot of people would admit uh, despite my bias to want to say that one game is the best i think most people are, are seem to be keyed in locked in on the niners versus the cowboys and you know i i just i guess i'm seeing something different something i i, I, don't, I don't want to say wrong we don't know yet but the number of people i, I keep hearing about why it's such a matchup a nightmare yourself included with smart analysis on the niners i just Are we at at some level, have we let the expectations that come around the Cowboys change the way we see the success that the Cowboys have had this year? I know that they haven't necessarily beat up on the best teams in the process, but the best of the Cowboys is better than the best of most teams. And they are 12 and five.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fair, right? The the fact that the Cowboys have lost some ugly games or have not been as dominant as maybe we expected off that first game of the season, which was one of their most impressive despite losing it, that could be part of it. It, it could be that we're underestimating how good they are because we expect them to be even better. But I really remind you that that 12-5 and record is buoyed so much by feasting on their own conference, their own division, I should say, um... Of not very good teams, you know, a 12 and five record looks great. And then you get down to just six and five when they're playing anybody that isn't in their, in their division. And I think that's why we need proof because you can blow out the Washington football team and, and, Tell everyone how silly they were for underestimating your, your offensive prowess. And then you can show up a week later and look like trash against a, a, another team. So the inconsistency of the Cowboys, and we talked about this on Around the Horn today, I would not be surprised if they won 45-10. to 10. I also wouldn't be surprised if they lost 22-3.
2: Well, I, I think it's that's a very fair point, by the way, especially this NFL year. Like, if you're out there and you're confidently putting cash out, uh, congratulations on ha- having cash that you can blow because right, anybody that's burn. out there just putting it out <laughs> has, has got to have it. It, it. And that's the, nothing but respect to that. I, there's a part of this, too, that – For Jimmy G, I'm really happy for the individual that has had trouble staying healthy. We all know that. And has been doubted so much at every possible turn. But now puts himself in the exact situation he wants to be in. Best case scenario for Jimmy G... You keep winning games, and you extend your audition for everybody else because, as you and I have talked about, there aren't a lot of sure things out there in the quarterback market. All of this is driving up the, the value of Jimmy G to a Pittsburgh Steelers that may be looking at trying to trade for a quarterback. And if you're San Francisco, you've seen enough from Trey, Lins- and Trey Lance that Maybe you feel like this is all an added bonus. So a playoff win actually has good long-term ramifications, not just for the team but also for the individual.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, there's a lot of angles on what's going to happen next, especially at the quarterback position once this season is over. Um, Because there are so many question marks with guys who have been entrenched in their squads, um, or in the case of Jimmy G, guys that are potentially being pushed out by draft picks, he can do a lot for himself this weekend.
2: Yeah, and the the defenses are going to be on display. That's the one thing we know. These pass rushers are going to be on display. Can the offensive lines even hold up? This is the moment where you need a guy like Mike Olick Jr. in your life. Somebody that can help you break down the fat guy play. ESPN Radio presented <laughs> by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over seven hundred dollars. On average. All right, we need an expert, so we'll bring in one of our favorites next to help us break down the super wild card weekend. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80 on a Friday. I always tell you on this show to listen to ESPN daily, but especially today because Bill Barnwell was on with Pablo Torrey breaking down the full super wild card weekend, and there is lots of good stuff in there. We don't have enough time to go through all of it, but you should go listen to it on your own. And second best is to get Bill Barnwell on the show ourselves. ESPN.com, senior writer Bill, thanks for the time. Hey, guys. So much good stuff in your conversation with Pablo today. And as I'm listening to all the different takes on the games this weekend, I think the one that feels the most split in terms of the expert analysis is Cowboys Niners. There are the obvious things that everyone has said Jimmy G needs to not turn the ball over. Cowboys defense needs to not just be about takeaways. Niners run game is going to eat up that Cowboys D. Cowboys pass attack is really going to make things tough on the Niners defense. Of all the things we've talked about, what are we missing in this matchup? What's the thing that you actually think is going to have a bigger effect on who wins?
6: Oh, I I do think it's the Jimmy factor here, right? Like, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo on a good day. Jimmy Garoppolo is 100%. He is prone to turnovers. And this is Jimmy Garoppolo with a hand injury. I mean, we saw even last week where he was great in that fourth quarter. He still threw two picks, I believe, in that game. So, um, Cowboys do not need any help getting turnovers on a good week themselves. This is just a like a fatal combination for the Niners if things break the way that it seems like they might. But if Jimmy Garoppolo can avoid the turnovers, I think that's the most important thing. I think that changes the game The Niners they have so many weapons on offense that if they don't turn the ball over,
2: they can score points on anybody, including the Cowboys. So, Bill, we've talked a little bit about one of your more interesting conversations regarding the Bills and the fact that if you look at Buffalo, they're actually playing sort of on par with where they were last year, even though their record is not as good. Better, in fact, by all metrics, yes. So my question Mm -hmm. is, how do they compare when you look at the metrics, not the record, how do they compare to the Patriots?
6: Both teams are really good. I mean, we're talking about two teams that are probably among the four or five best in football. But to me, you know, I I just think about this offense, right? Like the Patriots, we know they can run the ball effectively. They can kind of hold their own offense, but they're winning games with their defense. Nothing wrong with that. That's just what they do. That's their formula. With the Bills, I think we've seen their feeling. We know, hey, they can not only win games with their defense, but if it gets to a shootout, they can win games in shootouts with Josh Allen End that offense. I think they have like an extra gear on offense that the Patriots lack. And so to me, I think there's just more ways for them to win this game and maybe they're off to the Patriots.
1: Do you count Bill Belichick as more important than any player on the field in any matchup, but particularly one with a division rival?
6: I do. And I'll tell you what, I think it's even more important in a short week because then, you know, if you have a, a schedule coming up, you kind of know in advance, okay. We got to start preparing for this team or that team, but on a short week, everyone has the same amount of length to prepare. And I think I trust Bill Belichick's ability to prepare better than anybody in football. When you have five or six days to prepare for a uh, opponent, you're not necessarily expecting the play.
2: We're talking to Bill Barnwell, ESPN.com senior writer on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, all right, I've wasted my professionalism long enough. Let's get to the Raiders game, Bill. Uh, we've talked a lot about the obvious problem offensively for Cincinnati against the defensive line for the Raiders a lot. I'm going to go the opposite way. What are the Raiders – what's in front of them offensively that they can realistically accomplish?
6: They just have to haul into the football. I mean, this was a team that the first time these two teams played uh, – you can correct me, of course, if I'm, I'm wrong here, but I don't think they converted a the third down until the two-minute warning. and. Yeah. I don't care how good you are. You're not going to win a whole football game without doing that. So, you know, I I think for the Raiders, their goal in this game is not necessarily about scoring 40 or 45 points, but just can we keep our defense fresh? Can we keep Max Crosby when he's not rushing after Joe Burrow on the sidelines, getting some air with long offensive drives. When he comes back, he's fresh to rush after Joe Burrow again, because I think, you know, I don't remember the exact number of plays they faced in that game last week, but it's like in the eighties. It's a crazy number. That defense definitely you know, uh, on fumes, I think, after how how many snaps they faced last week. So I think it's just, you know, sustaining drives, um, scoring touchdowns, of scoring field goals, and protecting the football. It's not an exciting formula, but I think it can work for them because I think Max Crosby is such a mismatch for that Bengals offensive line.
1: Bill Barnwell is with us here on Spain and Fitzbill. most of us are sort of just ignoring two of the games this weekend, or at least not spending as much time uh, looking at, at how they might go down. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, of course, and then the Bucks taking on the Eagles. For both of those games, I want you to tell me how the underdog wins.
6: Yep, for sure. Pittsburgh, I think it's easy. T.J. Watt. I mean, we're talking about T.J. Watt versus the third choice right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't need to – you don't need to have a incredible imagination to see how the Steelers could win that game. We saw it in the Super Bowl with the Bucs, right? Like the Chiefs were not able to get the ball off on offense. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life all day. And the offense on the other side, they had a good game, not a great game, but a good enough game to win. I think for the Steelers, you know, they can't win 41-34, but they can win 20-17 or 20-14. And I think T.J. Watt gives them the possibility of creating a couple of takeaways, having some short fields, changing how that game looks for the Eagles, I do think it's tougher. I think they have to, you know, get pressure on Tom Brady, which they can do. I mean, they have a very good defensive line, but I, I just, you know, it, it's a run-heavy team on offense versus a Bucks run defense. It hasn't been as good this year as it has been in years past, but still an extremely good, extremely scary Bucks run defense. I think they have to come up with maybe a trick play or two. Maybe take up something on special teams. Like, they have to find another way to win because I don't think – they can win with their offense in this game straight up. Oh, so
1: Wouldn't you think he? the Steelers have a better shot?
6: Yes, I do. I, I, huh. And that's no disrespect wow. to the Chiefs. I just think that T.J. Watt versus a third-string tackle is more plausible to me than, like, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts beating Vita and the Dominicans too. It's just a, you know, it, it, it's an obvious mismatch in the Steelers' favor.
2: All right, so, Bill, when you look at everything, the aside from the record, all the metrics and all of the stats and all of the analysis – what team that's playing this weekend is actually the best of all of these teams?
6: Ooh, that's a good question. The numbers would say the Cowboys. I have to admit...
1: Like DVOA numbers?
6: Yeah, like the nerd numbers would say the Cowboys. Right. I'm, I'm, you know what? If I'm applying my gut to those numbers, I feel like I'm a little skeptical. I think I would say either the Bills, um, who I think, again, the ceiling is so high on both sides of the football... Or to the Rams, where I feel like they're getting healthy heading into the postseason. I think they're in the best shape of any of these teams in terms of the health of their roster. And I think that they have stars who are playing at such a high level. Matthew Stafford, not so much, but Cooper Cup has been incredible. Aaron Donald is peaking as he hits the postseason. Joe and Ramsey's playing at a high level. You know, I feel like they have the most players left, if any team in, in, left in this first round that I feel like can win games on their own. And I feel like that is something that, you know, In the playoffs,
1: that can go a long way. ESPN.com senior writer Bill Barnwell with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Okay, so Bill, if you look at the the gas baggery across the landscape, (laughs) I don't need any names, but are you seeing takes that are consistently coming up about a certain matchup or team that you're like, that's just not right based on actually watching the All-22 or digging into the numbers that you think is kind of a misconception about one of these teams or matchups?
6: Oh, that's a good question. I have to give that some some thought. I mean, I'll, I'll, why did I throw one out there? I don't know what you guys think about this. Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense. I mean, they played great, week 16 and 17. No taking it away from them. They were awesome. They played the Ravens, who were starting basically a bunch of college kids in their secondary, and they played the Chiefs. So, I mean, the Chiefs. Hey, you know, very good defense. No issues there, but very different on the road than they are at home. And before that. They're not playing at this level. I mean, they—they, they, I think the Broncos held them to, like, 15 points the prior week before that. Like, they have been a good offense, but they're not, like, at the level of a, a top three or a top four offense yet. Maybe they will be this week. I hope not for Fitz's sake. But um, I, I feel like maybe we're a little too optimistic on them based on only having a memory that's two weeks long.
2: Are you saying, Bill, that you're rooting for my Raiders this week just for me? Is that what I just heard? Like, you you're hoping for my joy? I feel
6: like I've been wrong about them so many times, but I feel like I have to just back you at this wow. point. Oh,
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, if you're going to back your I'll... way into endorsing them, he'll take it. I'll he'll take, take it anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, no doubt right. about it. I... Um, Bill, awesome stuff as always. You've been fantastic all season long. We're, of course, going to have you back throughout the playoffs, but appreciate the time and the insight.
6: Anytime, friends. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Bill. Bill Barnwell, ESPN.com senior writer, host of the Bill Barnwell podcast, frequent ESPN daily contributor. Go listen and read all of the things. Also, tune in tomorrow for college basketball action as Kansas hosts West Virginia. Coverage begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up, we'll make our picks. You've been waiting all night, I'm sure. Get your pens and your pencils ready to write down the brilliant things we're about to say. It's coming up next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: I'm really proud of myself for the way I really tiptoed around that one. Also, I'm really glad that we haven't lost our buddy Dave Gettleman. He's still around when we need him, you know, (laughs) just because he's retired slash fired slash whatever we're calling that. He's still around when we need someone to ask, what up? It's Spain and Fitz Thank you. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, of course, Viagra, the topic of conversation for blood flow ahead of what's expected to be a very cold Pats-Bills matchup. Just one of many meetings of great teams or so-so teams this weekend in the Super Wild Card Weekend. And we have gotten to the last segment of today's show, our last chance to put in our picks on these games. And let's do them in order fits, which means we're starting with your squad. Now, because the five pick Friday is over, I will not hold you to anything you might have exclaimed in anger. Like, I don't know, saying you were never, ever going to pick your Bengals again. If you want to pick them, you're welcome to. But let's hear the X factor and your pick.
2: Yeah, so I think the X factor here is can the Raiders stop the run? I don't think it has anything to do with the pass, as strange as that sounds. If the Raiders can stop the run and run the football, they can win this game. I think that's also a tall task. The defense is going to be tired after a short week. Uh, that, That plays into the way this is going to play. All of the momentum is going to be there. I think Cincinnati jumps out to an early lead, and with that momentum behind them, Uh, it's easy for me to find a path that puts 42 up on the Raiders. I don't think they can put 42 up on the Mm. Bengals. So this feels to me like the 42-28 type of game. Uh, Bengals get the win.
1: Wow. Okay. I didn't think you were going to go that way and put it out in the universe. I'm with you, though. Unfortunately, I do think the Bengals are going to get the win. I think the X factor, as I said before, is their ability to protect Joe Burrow. If that offensive line can hold strong enough against Max Crosby and company to keep it pretty clean, allow him to get those connections with Jamar Chase, I think the Bengals win. Now, the Raiders killed themselves in the last meeting. A lot of penalties. Couldn't convert on third down. Hunter Renfro wasn't the guy we're used to. Um, So they certainly have a shot to turn things around. Burrow's knee injury could be uh, worse than we think it is. But my money is on the Bengals as long as they keep Joe Burrow protected. All right. The next matchup, New England and Buffalo. And as I mentioned, a whole lot of folks talking about the weather in this one. Uh, Bill Barnwell, as I mentioned, was on ESPN daily, had some really smart things to say about this, including consulting the quote unquote, real experts on whether or not to base his predictions on the weather for this one.
3: Playing in this game, please stay near the heated bench that I'm assuming the Patriots will bring to Buffalo. But, this is a question, Pablo, where I defer to the people who care about this stuff the most, and that is the gamblers of the <laughs> a world. A very
1: good strategy, yeah.
3: <laughs> yes, every gambler I've ever spoken to about this, Pablo, has always said the same thing, and it's that snow and rain eh, matters a tiny bit, depends on how much it is. If it's a snowstorm, it's a problem. It's a little bit of snow, doesn't really matter. Wind, as we saw in the first game between these two teams, matters a lot. It's difficult to throw the ball. If there's heavy wind gusts, it's going to take the kicking game out of the equation. That matters quite a bit. But temperature does not really matter all that much. Mm. And look at the total for this game, Pablo, in Vegas. It's currently at 44 points. It's exactly the same as the total we saw the second time these two teams played when it was 38 degrees outside. So a more reasonable temperature for the winter in the Northeast.
1: So the people who have the most riding on this, literally, the, the people gambling on this are telling you the weather really ain't it. So what you got in this game? Yeah, I,
2: This is such a proven moment for the Bills organization, for Josh Allen. I've gone back and forth on this game. I think this is one of the toughest games to predict because, as I said earlier, I believe the Bills are a better football team, but the Patriots are better coached. Mac Jones, though, has been a turnover problem over the, course, the last course of the season. All they need is Mac Jones to make one or two mistakes, and they are going to need him to make plays. So I've changed my pick on this literally today. I think the Bills win this football game.
1: Oh, okay. You changed today. I agree. I think the Bills do win this game. A couple things stand out to me. That stat again about rookie quarterbacks 0 6 outright in the postseason since 2010. And it's not like Mac Jones is the next coming of anything. He might be the next coming of Tom Brady, but uh, right now he's a good game manager who's not going to, you know, uh, who's not going to thrill you. As I said today on Around the Horn, I don't see him eating. It's whoever's going to eat in this game, and that's Josh Allen. That's Stephon Diggs, who absolutely roasts J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson's only allowed four touchdowns as the nearest defender to all other players combined over the last season, and Stephon Diggs has 15 catches for 233 yards and three touchdowns against him since last season. So Stephon Diggs in that matchup. Josh Allen is a better QB. I do think, obviously, coaching comes into play, and it's tough to pick against Belichick. But by pretty much every metric, the Bills are better this year than last year, and I had a lot of faith in them last year. I think the Bills get the win in this one. By the way, uh, we talked to Andre Reed earlier, obviously a Bills great, and he had some interesting stuff to say about just, just what it means to be a team that got so close so many times, and obviously that is on people's minds as they look to another postseason run, and our guy, Angry Bears fan, Dadman, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed uh, to be part of Spain and Fitz Nation, said, that's so crazy, Andre Reed's on tonight, we were talking Bills of the 90s at work today, we all remember how good he was, those four AFC championship teams were great, and Fitz, they were great, but they were just so close every time that it think it means something a little different if Buffalo can make a run this year
2: oh absolutely I mean and and for the city of Buffalo you've waited so long with such great teams this has there has to be that moment where you turn around and say just give us one give us one but I don't want to take anything away from their greatness the the, what they accomplished in the 90s I'm not sure when we'll ever see it again
1: in Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're making our picks for the super wild card weekend. Now we're at Sunday, the NFC, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, leading this one off. By the way, our, our go-to guy, Angry Bears Fed Dad Man, once again part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. He uh, he said the NFL has FOBO for the Bucks eagles game. Not FOMO, FOBO, fear of blowout, uh, with an ice gif of a kid getting uh, just destroyed by a, a, a blow dryer. That does feel like what they were thinking when they decided to put this game at one Eastern in the afternoon. We're no build up for Tom Brady. He's getting us started. And I think that might be because they feel like the Bucks are gonna win this game. For me this is about what Bill Barnwell talked about. This is about the Eagles needing to get some luck, the Eagles needing to uh, really take out a Tampa Bay run defense that started the season well but hasn't been as good down the stretch, has allowed a lot of opposing teams to run on them. So that's going to have to – everything's going to have to go right. That's the X factor. Everything has to go right for the Eagles to win this one, but I've got the Bucks.
2: Yeah, I mean, the X factor here is does Tom Brady have the rare just egg of a playoff game? And I don't feel like that can happen. Right. We're asking too much of Jalen Hurts. The, the, the Eagles, this is a great chance to get a little experience, get a little, you know, sort of moment in your, your building path, but it's not the end-all be-all. So if you're Tampa Bay, you want to win this game, but I think the key for Tampa is can they continue to try and get healthy to make a real run.
1: Uh, we got to move on. We got two games left here. We've talked a lot about the Niners-Dallas game. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one. I think the X factor is takeaways. Yes, that's the sort of cliche thing we've been talking about, but we know the record for the Niners when they take care of the ball, and we know how many takeaways the Cowboys can get and how that can really feed a defense um, that wants to lead the way for this squad. I think somehow, some way, the Niners establish the run, get ahead early, and hang on and get the win.
2: I think the Cowboys forced the mistakes from Jimmy G, and they roll big.
1: Ooh, roll big. Okay, mm-hmm. final game, Casey, Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, T.J. Watt can, can get it all he wants, but I don't see that offense being able to do anything, and I think if you put the ball in Mahomes' hands, even if uh, Big Ben gets lucky every once in a while, Mahomes will come back and match him and better.
2: Yeah, so, close to the first half, then a slaughter in the second to me.
1: Wow. T.J. Watt and Mahomes are going to join Freddie and Fitzsimmons next. What a get. Have a great weekend, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app.